Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So this summer, I, um, I don't know how, I was on YouTube and I came across a chap called Mark Weens. Does anybody know who he is? I've never heard of him before, so I don't expect you to, but he's a food blogger. And he's one of those guys that does YouTube videos that I find really interesting. He travels all over the world, going to different places and trying authentic foods from all these different nations. So it's about food, and I love food. Anyone love food? We're talking about food today, so that's why I'm talking about this. But more than that, you really get a sense of culture and how people are as a community and how they operate, and I just, I love the program. But if you uh, were to think about food, and I want you to just take a minute to think about what your favorite food is, okay? Just take a moment, um, and then I'm gonna ask you to tell me what your favorite food is, and I want you to tell me why it's your favorite food. So I won't be able to ask everybody, but maybe one or two. Who wants to tell me what their favorite food is? Anyone? Roast dinner. Roast dinner. That's broad. There's like three or four. Turkey. Turkey. Why is it your favorite? Okay. Because there's not a lot of fat and it's tasty. Ali, Ali I can see your poached salmon. Why do you like? Po why is it your favorite food? You have to explain yourself. This is where we're trying to go today. We're talking about food today. You know, some people are not massive foodies. They eat for calories. Literally, you need calories to live. And so they put food in their mouth, they chew it, and they eat it, and it sustains their body. But there's another side to eating, which is so much more interesting, isn't that? <laughs> Phil, I'm afraid you'll be in the minority today, so just pipe down. <laughs> There's obviously reasons why Phil feels that way, um, but we're not going to talk about those today. We're going to talk about this whole idea of enjoyment of food. You know, God gave us the ability to enjoy it, okay? So I want, to, I want to put that out there. I don't want to say too much because I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. But what I wanted to contrast just for you as we get started today is there are basically two functions to food. There's the necessity part and then there's the I just love it like this part. Okay? And, and that's kind of what I want to appeal to today. Why it is that it's your favorite. Why it is that when you see it, you start salivating and you start to get expectant and the hunger pangs seem to get louder and you become impatient and I also realize while I'm speaking today you are thinking about your lunch okay but I want you to know that will come you need to listen to me now and not be distracted by all those wonderful things taste is what I'm talking about that's it's the sensation of the food in your mouth kind of on your taste buds it's the smell of the food it, it's really difficult to explain in an instant why you love it but it's triggering things in you there's there's this 
oh, I love it, but I can't tell you, it's the best. Why is it the best? Okay, there's that sensation of happiness. There's that sensation of satisfaction and, and contentment and joy. Food can be such a wonderful experience. Amen? And when you really enjoy a food and it's your favorite, you just want it again and again and again. And so with that kind of sense in your heart and as your, in your minds as we get going today, I want to read from Psalm 34 and we're going to talk about tasting and we're going to talk about how we can taste God. Amen. And uh, help us to find out how we can taste more of him. So sit back. Make yourselves comfortable. I'm reading the whole psalm. It's a good one, and it'll be up on the screen if you don't have a device or a Bible with you. David is writing, and he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. That's a strange word for us today. I'll talk about that later, the word extol. I'll extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called or I should say, this poor man, David speaking, this poor man called and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste, taste, everyone say taste. Taste, taste. and see the Lord is, eh, okay. No, it doesn't say that. It says, taste and see the Lord is good, like your roast dinner, right? Just that feeling of contentment. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is a phenomenal psalm, amen? amen? Promise after promise. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good, seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he, his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them 
will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. I get this idea when I read that psalm and I take the time to actually just digest the way that David's speaking, that he knows something about God. Amen? It sounds to me like he thinks God is like roast dinner. You know, it, 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 it stirs something inside of David, something that fills him with contentment and joy and satisfaction, such that he wants more and more of God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. He has tasted God and he has seen that God is good. And that in essence is what I want to build my sermon on today. This idea of God is good. Have you tasted his goodness? Are you living in his goodness right now? That word good you know, if I say the word Marmite, some of you go, ooh, and some of you go, can't stand it. It's one of those, you love it or you hate it. When God is described as good here, it's not talking about him as someone's personal preference. Yeah, I could take him or leave him, he's okay. Others are like, no, he's massive, he rocks. Others are like, he sucks. It's talking about God as good. When we talk about good, we're taking that definition of good from God. God is good. He is goodness personified. Goodness is not something that we attach to him. We define goodness by looking at him. He is the essence of goodness. If you read in Genesis, it talks about how good God is, how everything good, that he, everything that he made was good. Throughout the Psalms, it talks about him as good. And when he sees something that's not good, like Adam is alone, he makes Eve so that is good again. He's good. He's good. He wants good things for us. This is important that we understand. There is something for us to go looking for rather than feel like I could take him or leave him, let's realize actually when the Bible says he's good, it's not because that guy's biased, it's because God is good and he defines goodness in his essence. That word good is pleasant, agreeable to the senses, excellent of its kind, rich, valuable in estimation, kind, he's right, He's better. He is better than anything else. He is good. And what David is saying to us today as we get going is, why don't you come and see for yourself how good he is? You won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed by God. He says in Psalm 23, verse 6, another psalm, surely talking to God, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Not following him like someone who's lost and has nowhere to go. That word in its definition talks about chasing me down. Your goodness chases me down all the days of my life. This, what I'm trying to do is whet your appetite today. Amen? 
because we live in a fog sometimes. We live in a fog where we just don't see, and I want you to see what is out there so that you, like me, can chase after it. And so at this point, some of you may be sitting here today and thinking, I haven't really tasted that of God. I hear your enthusiasm, James, and I can see you're pretty fired up about this, but I don't get it. I'm not really seeing the goodness of God in my life. I'm not feeling it. I'm not in this moment with you. And I suspect that's true for many of us today. And so what I want to do today is I want us to take the taste test, if you will. I've got five points that I want to make today, and I want to use the word taste. And for each of those letters, I want to try and approach an area of our lives that perhaps is getting in the way of us experiencing the goodness of God. Not just hearing other people's stories, but knowing it and feeling just as excited. So are you ready? Are you ready to take the taste test? Number one, perhaps you haven't experienced the goodness of God because you've never tried it. Try is the first word, T. One of the wonderful things about having children is introducing new food to them and persuading them that it's good for them, right? Uh, sometimes when you tell a child that something's good, they've almost decided in their hearts that no matter what, it's not good. They don't come with an open heart or mind. They've decided, I'm not going to like it. So you can tell me all day long, but I've decided, no, it's not for me. Amen. Amen. So I'm not talking about trying where someone's trying to force a spoon in your mouth with God, saying, eat him. I'm saying for myself, the things that are my favorite foods are things that I once tried. It can't be your favorite. It can't taste awesome if you've never taken the time to put it in your mouth. Amen. So there's a risk when you eat any food that you won't like it. And that's a fear, I think, that prevents many of us from parting our lips to new things. But David says, taste, try, and you will see the Lord is good. But come without your prejudice. Come without your predetermined outcome. Come with an open heart and mind. Be mature in the way that you approach God's table, if you will. Right? Give him your best shot. David says, I sought or I reached out. I reached for God. I tasted him, it says in verse 4, and he answered me. You know, the thing that is holding you back from your future is the thing that you are afraid of. Fear keeps you away from your future. And I believe that God wants you to help, help you overcome your fear because David says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Fear is the devil's weapon to keep you away from God's goodness. Right? And I perhaps will help that to make a bit more sense a little bit later on. But the first word is try. If you want to see the goodness of God, 
You have to be prepared to try. You have to be prepared to taste. My second point is the word appetite. Every single one of us has an appetite. It just looks different to the one, to the person sitting next to us. Amen? The definition for the word appetite is a natural desire to satisfy a need or a bodily need when it comes to food. A natural desire. Um, if you've had children, and even as an adult, sometimes we get this wrong, um, they will come home from school. I have children, I have three of them. <clears throat> and they come home from school, they walk through the front door with the bag still on their back, straight to the kitchen, and they fill the toaster up with bread and eat. They just don't stop eating, okay? And as a parent, often we find ourselves saying, Dinner is going to be ready just now. You're going to spoil your appetite. This was profound for me. I feel like God really revealed something to me this week about our appetite for Him. You know, like it's possible to spoil your appetite before dinner. Let me say, by the way, there's nothing wrong with feeling hungry. Some of us see it as something that we have to silence immediately. There's nothing wrong with feeling hungry. Hey, Phil. <laughs> it's good for us to feel hungry between meals. But sometimes we don't just have one biscuit. We have ten. And you come to dinner and you just don't feel hungry anymore. Does anyone experience that before? My point is this. Every single person in this room has an appetite for God. Amen. You do. Whether you have crossed the line of faith or not, whether you have never heard of God or not, you have an appetite for Him because that's how He's made you. The thing is, we hate feeling hungry. And so at any opportunity that we get, we try and fill that hunger. Do you know what I'm saying? And what happens is you only have one appetite and when you satisfy it with the wrong things, it affects your appetite for other things. And the point today that I want you to understand, folks, is you are suppressing and you are spoiling your appetite for God when you are pursuing other things in your life to fill your hunger. Only God can truly satisfy that appetite that you have. I am learning this day after day as a human being. What is taking your appetite away from God? What is getting in the way? Amen. We're gorging ourselves on sugary snacks, which are addictive, but they never deliver the satisfaction that God can bring. Amen? Some of you are getting a revelation today. I really believe it. God's giving you an awareness of things in your life, lifestyle, choices and decisions that are spoiling your appetite for God. You want to love Him more. You want to feel more fired up. But you keep shoving things in your mouth to push the hunger down like it's your enemy. 
It's good to feel hungry. Let's not spoil our appetite for God with things that are inconsequential. Psalms uh, 34 verses 10 to 11 says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. God's saying, come to me, and I will teach you how to grow in the fear of the Lord. I don't expect you to flick a switch and change in an instant, but if you're going elsewhere, you're not going to find satisfaction. Come to me, he says, and I will teach you. Come to my table. I will give you an appetite and I will grow your appetite for me if you'll come to me for satisfaction. So that's try, that's appetite. The third letter is S and that stands for the word savor. Everyone say savor. Right. To enjoy something to the full by lingering upon it. That's what savor means. That's what I love about food. When I put it in my mouth. Oh. Mm. This is when you watch this guy, this Mark Weens, go and look him up, he's funny. Uh, you watch his face. He just loves food and it makes you feel happy just watching him enjoy it. There's something about savoring the goodness of God that we don't get. If you try and take the joy out of enjoyment, you're left with mmmt. <laughs> that makes no sense. Why would you want to take the joy out of enjoyment? Do you, I mean, it's a daft illustration, but it makes sense, doesn't it? If you take the joy out of enjoyment, there's no enjoyment. You're left with inment, and that just doesn't make sense in it at all. We're called to enjoy God, to savor God, like we savor our food. Why would David say taste if he wasn't trying to make the link? Amen? There's nothing wrong in having an emotional connection with God. We are all about faith. We believe that we walk by faith and not by sight, but not at the expense of enjoying God. We can walk by faith and not be led by our senses. Amen? We're not trying to get rid of all the fun of knowing God and living for Him. We're saying if you have to choose between what you're seeing right now and believing God for the future, we're going to believe God for the future. That he is good. Amen? Amen? So I want you to imagine now how much fun it is when you really love eating a food, but you have to eat it in isolation. You sit there and you can't go, oh, that is so good, and share that moment with someone else. Amen? There's nothing like as a group of people going for dinner and having great food, isn't there? And saying, man, this steak is so good. How's yours? Oh, it's like butter. 
it is melting in my mouth. I'm feeling so happy right now. Otherwise you're like, where's the fun in food if you can't enjoy it and share that sense of satisfaction with others? The point I'm trying to make is, I love steak, okay? I'm just going to put it out there. Those of you who know me, that's no, good new, that's no new news to you. And when you love steak, you find people that love steak as well, and you talk about steak together. <laughs> you talk about how you can make your, your steak taste really good, and, and they tell you how they like to cook their steak, and you're like, mm, no, I like mine a little bit more rare than that, and I like that. That particular cut for me is the best, and they're like, oh yeah, that's good. But have you tried this one? I cook it like this. It's a shared experience is what I'm trying to say. The goodness of God is a shared experience. We, we savor our relationship with God and we savor our relationship with God with one another. That's why we gather here on a Sunday. Why else would we come together? What's the point if we can't savor the goodness of God in this moment together and make the most of every opportunity we have right now to enjoy Him together? We have to savor God. And you know what? Some people have taken the word evangelist and they use it now for all sorts of things like, I'm a food evangelist. I'm a steak evangelist, essentially, because I tell people how good steak is. If they've just grown up eating fried eggs and chips, I'm like, you need to branch out. You need to try steak. Steak is amazing. And as they're described, you know last week, I don't get to have breakfast on a Sunday, really. I, I have a banana and like a, a, a health bar and what have you. By the time church is finished, I am hungry. And I'm probably a bit grumpy. So if I come across like that to you, it's just chemical, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be harsh. I need food. So then after church last week, we had some training. And as part of that training, we brought in pizza. Now, I love pizza, but it doesn't love me. I have a slight intolerance, I believe, to wheat. So I sat there watching everyone eating pizza, feeling really hungry and trying to stay engaged and positive. Okay? So when I got home, I wasn't terribly full of myself. But you know what my wonderful wife did? On the way home, she stopped at co-op and she bought me a piece of steak. <laughs> and when we got home, I lovingly prepared that steak. I cooked it with butter. I sliced a clove of garlic into the butter. And while it was sizzling in the pan, I was spooning the butter over the meat. I'd seasoned it wonderfully with this special rub that you only get in South Africa, by the way. And I had some like instant mashed potato, but it was good. <laughs> I made it better by throwing more butter into it. I put the mashed potato in my plate, I put the steak on top, and then that kind of brownie kind of butter that was left in the pan with the garlic, I poured it over my steak. Phil, I'm sorry. It was 
amazing. <laughs> now, some of you are thinking, oh, we should have steak for lunch. <laughs> this is the point. By talking about how much I love steak, I make you want to try steak. Amen? So when we savor God as an individual and we actually connect emotionally with him, and then we savor God together as his people, we are so enthralled by God that when someone says, I don't know God, we're like, can I tell you something good? You know what I'm saying? We need to savor him. So that means we have to connect emotionally with him. We have to learn how to get past our British stiff upper lip. Amen? I'm speaking as an Englishman, by the way. <laughs> it's okay to get excited about God. It's appropriate to get excited about God. It's appropriate to tell other people how much you love God. It's appropriate to tell people who have never tried him to taste and see how good he is. It's not appropriate to suppress your passion for God. It's not appropriate to dial it down. It's not appropriate in the context like this to sit stiff and rigid and unmoved. I'm just saying that because I know we're all at different places and, and we can always blame our culture for the way that we are, but I believe we have to change whatever our culture is to a culture of God, a kingdom culture. So whether you are the most joyful, happy people or whether you're the most reserved kind of person, it's all about God and what's appropriate for him and his kingdom. Okay, I want to move on. My fourth point, troubles. T, troubles. Maybe you're not experiencing the God because of troubles, present troubles in your life. Now, I can remember a time where, I don't know what it was that I contracted, uh, but I fell ill and I had the most vicious mouth ulcers I've ever experienced in my life. I think the doctor gave me a one-off prescription of 10 pills to kill whatever it was that I had. But literally, my mouth was just drooling all day long. It was so painful to even put water in my mouth. When I ate food, I couldn't taste it. It just made my mouth burn. It's possible sometimes that when we're in the midst of trouble, we can't taste the goodness of God and therefore we think he might not be good anymore. But what I want to tell you is, this too will pass. You will get better, and your troubles will become something in the distance, and again you will see the goodness of God. So I just want to encourage you today. Um, what does it say in, in Psalm 34? The righteous person, listen now, this is not saying when you love God and you live for him, you don't have any problems. David says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. What a promise, amen? So in the midst of your troubles, I want to tell you that God is still good. Don't take your eye off of him, all right? That's my last point that I want to make today. The letter E. Before I want to get to that, Heidi and I had this debate that says, um, 
What is it? I'm trying to remember. That's right. The greatest test of God's goodness and his faithfulness is time. The greatest test of God's goodness and his faithfulness is time. Just keep going and time will show how good God is. Amen? And his faithfulness to us. She says she came up with that quote. I want to tell you that when you're going through your troubles, you know what? You're building a testimony to savor. Something is forming in you that's going to make you just enjoy God more. It might be tough, but on the other side, you'll see how awesome God is. The last point that I want to make today is the word eyes. Everyone say eyes. Your eyes are really important to you enjoying your food. Would you agree? There's something about seeing your food that triggers emotions in us. Right? Either you go, oh, I want it. Or you go, oh, no thanks. You enjoy your food first with your eyes. And if you, if you don't believe that your eyes are a big part of how you view food, go to the supermarket when you are hungry and see how expensive your bill is. <laughs> Amen? Those of you who have been around for a while will know that's true. I want to tell you about a bad experience that I had regarding food, which I'm... I'm yeah. How many of you like prawns? Some people love them, others are like, oh, no thanks. I used to enjoy them. Um, and then we got invited to dinner by someone who was a chef <laughs> <coughs> on a cruise ship. So we're thinking, this is going to be good. We didn't go on the cruise ship. He was at someone's house cooking for us. Okay? Um, and so we were like super expectant for dinner because obviously, I mean, if you're the chef on a cruise ship, you're feeding people all day long. So it's got to be good. So anyway, he was cooking prawns. And uh, he cooked them on what we call a scottle in Africa, which is like a disc with gas underneath a kadak. Kadak, you know what I'm talking about? No? Anyway, let me tell you, he destroyed the prawns. <laughs> he cooked them so much, they were fibers in the pan. <laughs> and I, I remember eating it and thinking, this is so gross. So gross. And it's like since then, I don't enjoy prawns anymore. Sometimes you have a bad experience with food and you're like, I'm never going to have that again. Right? Now, was it the prawn's fault? Was it the prawn's fault? No. Was it the recipe's fault? Whose fault was it? The guy who thought he was a chef. Okay. It's important. I'm making a point now. Sometimes we associate God not being good because of the way someone served him up. Amen. 
So it might be that you came to church one day, and I'm sure it wasn't this church, and someone preached something, and it was like a slap in the face, and, and you left with this sense of God that I've had enough of this Christian malarkey. And you associated that word with God. Maybe you were mistaught. Hey? Maybe that guy had the right ingredients, but he didn't know how to cook. Okay? Maybe you encountered some well, a Christian person who had the best of intentions, but they just left you with a bad taste in your mouth. I don't know what it is. The potential for us today is that we've had a bad experience in the past that somehow we've mistakenly associated with God's goodness and that's preventing us from looking at Him. Amen? Remember, we're talking about our eyes now and how important they are to tasting. We've taken our eye off of God and as a result, we're not living in His goodness. We're not experiencing His goodness. I want to tell you today, the eyes of the Lord are on you. You may have taken your eyes off of God, but He's never taken His eye off of you. And as I finish today, I want to encourage you, God is good. He is good. There's a reason why you're not experiencing His goodness. It may be one of the five things that I've talked about. It may be something else. But I want to encourage you not to take your eyes off of Him, but to keep your eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's working something in you that is revealing the goodness of God. You just have to press through whatever it is. If, if you are here today, it may mean that you have to repent. You have to repent for believing something that was untrue. All I'm saying is, God, right now, whether you are looking at him or not, his eyes on you. And that's not like, I'm watching you. It's like, I can't take my eyes off of you. I love you so much. I have such good things for you. I will never take my eye off of you. Wherever you go, I am watching you because I care for you. And so I want to encourage you today. We have a time now where we are able to worship the Lord. Let's do business with Him. Because I don't want to miss the goodness of God in my life. And if there's some lifestyle choices that I've made that are preventing me from seeing His goodness because it's suppressing and spoiling my appetite, I want to get rid of that. If I've believed a lie all this time and God's just revealed to me that He actually is good in spite of what I believed, I'm going to say, sorry God that I doubted you. I'm fixing my eye back on you today. You lack no good thing when you make God your refuge today. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word to us today. God, please help us to move past whatever thing is preventing us from progressing. Anything that is causing us to stumble, 
God, help us to realize that we have one appetite. And if we don't give it to you, we'll never want you more. It's only in the pursuing of you, God, that our appetite for you will grow. Help us, Lord. Help us to take that first step today and taste you and see your goodness. God, help us to be people who savor you in every opportunity. Help us to be people who can look past their troubles and see you are good always. And today, God, I pray, as you've never taken your eye off of us, God, I pray that you will help us to fix our eyes on you and see your goodness increasingly in every area of our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.